listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cut through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to Retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. Today, we are answering a very important question. Will shopping on the go become the most important commerce channel for product discovery? We'll dig into what's new for in-car product recommendation, BOPUS, and its impact on local search. Porting over what worked in other channels doesn't really work in vehicles. The shopping experience has purpose and specific applications that require a user to be within a defined vicinity to take action. Car screens are the most underutilized and underdeveloped asset that is connected to the internet. It won't be long that we'll all be choosing our in-dash over our mobile phones while we're traveling from point A to point B. If you don't believe me, stay tuned as Cynthia Holland, CEO of Mobi, joins the conversation to dish on how the automotive industry is becoming a commerce-enabled marketplace. And now we'll shift gears a bit for one of our newest segments on the show, Blade to Greatness, where we hear from a retail industry leader who shares their insights and wisdom on how to excel in this industry. In this segment, we learn about the essential skills and qualities that every retail executive needs to lead their teams and their business to success. Whether we're talking about the corporate office or stores, we'll uncover valuable tips and advice that you can apply to your own retail career path. Today, we're speaking with April Sabral, founder of RetailU.ca, an online leadership development portal for field leaders, and also the author of two books, The Positive Effect and her latest, Incurable Positivity. After three decades running stores, working for brands such as Starbucks, Banana Republic, Apple, Holt Renfrew, and David's Tea, April transitioned into coaching and training after seeing an impact of leadership firsthand on the retail business. Her current clients include brands such as Jimmy Choo, L'Oreal, Victoria's Secret, David's Bridal, and more. Today, she's here to talk with us about one of the most important traits every retail leader needs to understand. Why having a positive mindset is an advantage in growing your business. Welcome, April. Hi, nice to see you both. Okay. Why is it important to have a positive mindset in business, specifically in retail? I mean, all businesses. But, you know, what I've learned over the years is when I would take over teams and go into situations, whether the company was in turmoil, I don't know why I always got given teams and situations where the company was in turmoil and sales and we had to turn it around and find talent, right, to, to make sure that we were building that business. Mindset is so important because if you go into any situation you just think about in your life where you're just looking at everything that's going wrong, negative, it's going to translate into your reality. And so when you show up and you're leading a team and you have a positive mindset and you're thinking positively, you're thinking in a solution-based approach. And that influences everybody on your team. We know that we feel good when we're around people that have positive energy, right? Like everybody does. You're always feeling better. And so specifically in business, it's important. It transfers into your customer experience. It transfers into your employee experience. And it's just the way that you get up and show up every day. We have 6,000 thoughts a day and 80% of them are negative. Mm. And so 
we're all fighting wow. that. That's a statistic. Yeah, it's wow. from the National Science Foundation. So knowing that, that we get up and we think about that and think negatively all day, we have to really fight against that. And so it's practices that you have to put in place to have that positive mindset. But that positive mindset goes a long way. You know, you can't build a retail chain, retail stores without a team of people, right? And nobody wants to work with anybody that's really negative and complaining all day. Just It's just not fun. It's not a fun environment. Mm-hmm. So holding on to a positive mindset could be one of the most important things you actually do beyond everything else. I truly believe that. And I've seen it. I've seen what positive thinking, positive mindset has done in my own career, in my own business with the, with the team that I had to turn around because retail is a hard business. It's a hard business. It's not yeah. easy. Yeah. And it's even if you think of it from a customer's point of view, right? when you walk into a place, I think you can tell the difference, right? You can see this is a place where everyone has a positive attitude, has a positive mind frame. And I think it's to you as the consumer, as the customer, it shows in how people engage with you. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because we want everybody to be lifted, to have a good experience, to, to want to come back. Nobody really remembers what you've said to them, but everybody always remembers how you made them feel, mm-hmm. right? And right. so and that's an energy thing. And it comes from a positive mindset because your thoughts create your reality, create how you feel, create the beliefs that you have, create how you interact with people. It always starts with the thought. So, yeah, I mean, if somebody comes in and you're just complaining about everything, how's that customer going to feel? And there's a lot of people that just are naturally wired that way, right? So I work with leaders now. So specifically, if you're going to lead a team of people, whether that's a store manager, a district manager, a regional director, or an executive, you influence those around you. So it is really important that you have a positive mindset every day and think about what you can do, not what you can't do. Negativity is contagious. It just, it's a phrase that I've used throughout my career called like seward. Like you can't sewer everyone. Like if you're having a bad day, it's okay. Just Mm -hmm. take the moment because you're going to bring the whole team down. How do you see about helping, what's your biggest trick to go in and like change that energy? Because it is something sometimes you need to change in a week, in a day. I mean, showing up yourself as that positive force and actually recognizing all the win, right? There's so many situations that we walk into life and it's just a perspective shift. So we could look at everything that's not working in the world today, or we could look at everything that is. And so it's just a choice of where you put your focus and attention. So a lot of times when I'll go into a business, especially working with teams in the stores, I'll just really find what's going well and then build that momentum on it so that we can get that train going to be in a positive direction because there's always something you can celebrate, right? could be something small, but there's always something you can celebrate. So it's just shifting, shifting that perspective. Recognition programs, so I think they're really good. It's just where you choose to put your focus and attention. So when you're going into your day, think about if you can find three things to celebrate today and give yourself a pat on the back. And most of the times, the way we talk to ourselves, we would never talk to our teams that way. (laughs) We just wouldn't, right? So sometimes it's like really literally just listening to what you're saying to yourself and going, would I actually talk to somebody else this way? Probably Mm -hmm. not. So in the book, Incurable Positivity, I talk about the whole practice of releasing, reaching and reframing your thoughts so that you can actually walk in because it's a practice. You have to really pay attention to it. Yeah, you have to choose. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, April, thanks so much for sharing this valuable insight that started out saying, I think every retail leader in any business, honestly, really needs to pay attention to and focus on how they're driving that positive mindset for the entire team. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks. Thank you. We're jumping into our Anywhere Commerce theme for this season with this episode, and I, for one, cannot wait to hear more. You're right, Casey, that there is just so much untapped marketplace potential here for in-car commerce. I'm sure our listeners and viewers will see exactly why Cynthia Holland is more than meets the eye as our latest retail transformer. So glad that you worked that in there. (laughs) (laughs) I got it in this time. (laughs) So let's move on and meet Cynthia Holland, CEO of Mavi.io. Casey. Hi, Ricardo. I'm delighted to be here on the Retail Razor Show. Well, welcome. Welcome. We are super excited to have you on the show. Yes. Let's jump right in. We are still fumbling with Google Maps and mobile phones while driving. And from my experience, Siri doesn't know shit when it comes to shopping. So what is Mavi.io and how is on my way commerce or car commerce, changing the way that we're going to be shopping. What's happening in new cars is a really rapid progression from having slow internet connectivity and small, ugly screens that can do a couple of cool things to Apple CarPlay that lets you take a couple of great things on your phone and see them bigger and a little bit more curated down on your phone to a next generation of connected cars that are just starting to come for sale in the marketplace with 5G technology, Google Android operating systems, and sometimes the biggest interactive screen in your entire household. People are starting to spend more time in their cars. People sit in their driveways and watch Netflix now with electric vehicles and the ability to Search, converse, transact, and conduct lots of different lifestyle things while you are what I call erranding or on my way. That's 72 minutes a day that all of us but New Yorkers spend in our cars every day trying to get a little bit more efficient and at the same time trying to get away from that very expensive habit we've gotten ourselves in in the last four years of having everything we need in the next 15 minutes delivered to us. So we kind of have a perfect storm of consumers who become addicted to pre-order, buying something before I have to go stand in line in the store, doors who have gotten very good at taking orders in advance and having it ready to hand to you when you walk in the door, and this amazing new computer on wheels that 160 million of us are about to own in the next three years. I mean, I I know, I don't know about you, Ricardo, but like when I lived on the West Coast, I mean, I was in at least two and a half hours of traffic both ways to work from work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, there's no question. There's plenty of, I'll call it, you know, unuseful time <laughs> sitting in the car, getting from A to B that you wished you could be doing something more productive and more useful for the rest of your day. Well, Cynthia, you're certainly a trailblazer here in, in this new digital commerce space. Can you share a little bit about your journey and how you got here and kind of fill everyone in on how you created Mavi.io and maybe tell us a little bit more about why we should be shopping in our cars during all of that extra time that you're enabling for us? Absolutely. 
I come from a world of e-commerce from the time when we wanted to know how we took someone off of catalogs onto this web browser. How do we take people off of a web browser onto this mobile phone? How do we take people off of a mobile phone onto shopping? I invented the term omni-tailing to say, how do we sell to that shopper anyhow, anywhere, anytime? How does she want that medium to best serve her? Or as I like to say, how do I take the most of your money in the way that is most convenient to you to let you give it to me? And we knew in 2007 when we went to retailers and we said, you know, this mobile device here is going to be a thing people are going to shop on. And they all said, no, no, no. We're, why would anyone shop on this when they have this, you know, perfectly great browser that we all just spent the last 10 years convincing our management that was something to invest in. And what we didn't do is take a browser-based website and just point it on a browser onto this thing. We thought about what is it that I do when I'm walking around, standing in a store, sitting at the beach that I want to do differently than what I want to do when I'm sitting at my desk. Likewise, we did, a, we did something similar when we thought about what it meant to be shopping on Instagram, etc. When the car companies came to me three years ago and said, Cynthia, we know that transaction in this new connected platform is going to be really important. And we know that we need someone who's an expert in retail and an expert in marketplaces and an expert in digital merchandising to think not just what we can do to take the app from our phones and put it on the dashboard, but instead rethink the entire use case. What, what is it that I need when I'm out and about en route that's different than when I'm on my mobile device sitting on my sofa or what I now call stationary shopping? Right, because mobile phones are essentially stationary shopping, not at my desktop. So I'll give you an example of what I now call on my way commerce. I'm on my, I'm driving home and I say, Hey, Minnie, I'm hungry. Okay, Cynthia, your favorite burger place can have your favorite burger ready for you in 10 minutes, 10 minutes down your route. Would you like me to have it ready for you when you get there and let them know when you're pulling into the parking lot? That's not something that my mobile device does, right? On my mobile device, what I do, I live in Miami. So, you know, this is what we do in Miami. You know, at the light, I quickly go and I look for what app do I want to order from? Okay, there's 25 different food ordering apps on my phone. Up, oh, got to wait till the next light. Okay, I go to the next light. Oh, I want Starbucks. Okay, Starbucks wants to know what location I want to order from. Okay, let me wait till I get to the next light. I don't recognize any of those addresses. Oh, for now, six lights later, I finally got to the place where I read all the ingredients and the specials and the calories and finally put the thing in my cart, only to have my phone say, oh, well, that place is now way behind you. Please start over. Forget <laughs> I'll wait till I get to the office and have it delivered to me. Thank you very much. So theoretically, I can already illegally and unsafely shop right. for my car on my phone. But to have your car curate for you I think of myself in a hunting, not a gathering mode when I'm driving. I've got stuff I just have to get done. And if my beautiful car can help me make my day easier, hey, Jeep, pick up milk on my way home. Okay, Casey, do you want your regular full grocery order ready for you and waiting for you when you get there? Or do you just want milk? Because if you just want milk, did you know you can get it at 7-Eleven right next door? 
Right. So there's that whole world that is, Ricardo, you said discovery, product mm-hmm. discovery that fits in that 15 minute journey around me on my way, or let's even say at my destination, I want to charge my car. I only want to charge my car at a place that I can eat while I'm there. It's a lot of that kind of en route shopping that just is not accessible right now at all. No, that's, it's incredibly true. I don't know how many times I've tried to like show me a Starbucks on one of the exits. Yeah, like, exactly. Which yeah. full exit is the most like convenient Starbucks I can just like pull off and get back on. And phones just aren't smart enough. I'm like, yeah. you know what? Yeah, yeah. Well, and this- and plus you can't, you, there's no way to, you know, I, I love your example, Cynthia. It's like, you know, well, wait for the next light. Because <laughs> you you've got to, it's mobile, but you've got so many screens you have to get through in every single app to get to the finish line to put something in. And there's no way you can get it done if you're driving and you're at a light. There's no way you're going to get all that done before you get to before the light turns green and you have to keep moving or worse. You're on a highway and you're trying to figure out, like Casey just said, do I want to get off the next exit to the closest one or is it the one after that? And you don't have time to figure that out if there's nobody in the car with you to help. And I I think of what you're describing as it's finally making the car, which I guess, by the way, is probably for most people, one of the most expensive things you own, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, so it would be nice if it could maybe help you out a little bit. Uh, and some of these basic kind of questions in the way that we typically look to our mobile phones to do, but you know, you, it just, you just can't access it when you're in the car. So why can't the car be set up to help you do this? Phones, as I said, are set up for stationary shopping. They're king yeah. yeah. tools, they're browsing tools. Mm-hmm. I want a cup of coffee at a place that has a lovely table underneath a bougainvillea tree that has five yeah. stars. What's cool in my neighborhood? I promise you, I am always going to want you to use your phone to do that when you're driving. Please do not use my tool to do that. Although we are starting to experiment with the side screens on the passenger side and the back screens to bring a lot more of that Mm. experiential entertainment-based components to the non-driver, of course. But to say, we've talked to a lot of different potential customers, obviously, as we've been building Mavi on my way, commerce with some of the top automotive brands in the world. And the groups that I have been most impressed with how passionate they are about this untapped need are moms and Uber drivers. So yeah, I was really kind of shocked when I had Uber drivers, Uber drivers say to me, oh my God, what car do I need to buy to have that? Like you're an Uber driver. (laughs) And they say, you know, what you don't understand is that there's no way for me to eat during my 12-hour driving shift because when I drop someone off, by the time I found the place to go in and order, Mm -hmm. I've already got another ride. So if you can have my food waiting for me at this destination in a neighborhood I've never been to before and don't know anything about, and I can just swing by and grab it and be on my way... That's going to change my world. I would buy a different car for that. Oh, that that is that's, super interesting. Yeah, it, it's like a new cool. level of convenience and versus need, right? That's right. I mean, they're they're working in their car. I mean, anybody who's yeah. working in their car all day and long hours, you know that that's always been the problem with yeah. Google Maps. Is that you ask it for three locations, that third location is comes after you've arrived at your destination. It's never says, 
here's three options in the middle. You know, forecasting that destination is very powerful. Yeah, and and we love Google Maps and we work with Google Maps and we work with all of the net mapping and navigation protocols. We just think of shopping from the perspective of an instant commerce market. So we've all moved to a 15-minute instant commerce market. $400 billion we spent in the United States in instant commerce last year. A lot of it in Instacart deliveries or food being delivered to me, but a hugely growing percentage of that shifting to curbside pickup. You'll see in the last six months alone, the num- the amount of instant commerce stuff we as Americans urgently need in the next 15 minutes for some reason is shifting to stuff I'm willing to swing by and pick up, partially because of that 40% upcharge that we're all beginning to realize we're paying for delivery, partially because 15 minutes is never 15 minutes. It's an hour and a half. It gets left on my doorstep. I have to make sure I'm home when it gets there for mm. all of those reasons. Not to mention saving the planet because I just drove past that store and I could have just swung by, picked up my groceries and taken them with me. There are so many reasons why wanting to just go by and pick it up instead of having it brought to me is changing that $400 billion market. But what COVID has taught us and that I don't see ever changing It's getting out of my car and standing in line with a whole bunch of strangers to talk to a stranger to then wait in line for my thing to be ready is something we're never, none of us are willing to go back to. We're all going to be the rest of our lives. There's no more meeting your significant other at a grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) You're not getting out of your car. Right. Getting out of your car. Yeah. When my 80 year old uncle Hal called me and said, I am sitting in the parking lot of McDonald's, ordering McDonald's on my phone, and I'm going to sit here and wait for it until they tell me to go in and pick up my McDonald's. Why is your thing not in my car yet? Because I could have had it waiting for me when I got there. I knew that one, McDonald's has a big problem because there's probably 20 other Uncle Hal's taking up their parking spots for the next 10 minutes waiting for And also, I'm like, what do you mean you had to, you couldn't? He said, well, I didn't know which McDonald's I was going to go to and it was too hard and I was driving. But if I could have just told my car to have my McDonald's ready for me in 10 minutes, your Uncle Hal, who didn't even have a smartphone until five years ago, (laughs) the world has changed. Yeah. Yeah. And having been there in that scenario, you just described with kids in the car and thinking, okay, well, you know, who am I going to hand the phone to, to figure out in the app what order to put in? You, you nine times out of 10 end up just getting to the McDonald's or whichever restaurant it is and parking in one of the curbside marked spots. And then you put the order in and wait. That you don't pull into the parking lot to see that sign with the writing that you can't read anymore that says, call this number and tell us that you're here. We'll bring it out, which they don't answer the phone. And then mm-hmm. you have to go in anyway. What yeah. I can do is have the car tell them when you're five minutes away. Retailers love when the car tells them that they're five minutes away. They don't love when a person tells them they're five minutes away because they can trust that the car is accurate. When I say five minutes, I'm a New Yorker. That probably means 20 minutes. (laughs) I haven't even even got on the subway yet. (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, five minutes, five minutes. I'm yeah. like, no, and, out of the house. And even so, as somebody who's used to doing this in the suburbs, it's just as bad because you, you start thinking, well, I know they want to know when I'm five minutes away, but I know they're not really going to work on it when I'm five minutes away. So I'm 15 minutes. So I'm going to tell them I'm five minutes away now because that way I know when I get there, it'll be ready. <laughs> you know, you're second guessing what the retailer is going to do as the consumer because you don't trust that it's going to be right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're starting to have brands come to us and say, you know, with all the shoppers who are in the stores now, we've lost that intimate connection with 30% of our customers who we used to pay slotting fees for, who we used to buy end caps for, who Mm -hmm. we used couponing for. So how can I, global famous beverage brand, or how can I, favorite ice cream brand, make sure that when you do get to the grocery store or you get to the gas station, I remind you of your relationship and your love for me and give you a coupon mm-hmm. to say, hey, why don't you hop out while you're getting gas or charging your car and go inside and grab yourself a free cola, you know, while you're here. Or don't forget that you need your favorite ice cream while you're here at the grocery store. So that that brand building relationship that comes into the future retail media network, of course, because that's all this mm-hmm. is a, is a curated, finely tuned, focused on hunting and not gathering mm-hmm. retail media network. But that means that the retail media network, together with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and personalization, has to be even smarter. Because Ricardo, I'm not going to say, do you want to go to BurgerFi? I'm going to say, do you want this thing you always get from BurgerFi? Because you still don't want to go through the whole menu. I really need to get it down to the thing you want, not the store you want to go to. Yeah. So so let me ask you a couple other things there. And I definitely want to dive into a little bit more details on the retail media side of this, because as Casey knows, it's one of my favorite topics. But before I do that, I want to hear more from you, though, about this from the retailer's perspective. You've touched on a couple of things on what it means for the retailer and how this actually helps them bring back that that connection to the consumer. But I'd love to hear a little bit more from you on how the retailer benefits from this whole in-car commerce process. Absolutely. So we've got three major constituents here, or four if you count the brands, of course. You've got the car companies, the shoppers themselves, and the retailers and the brands. The retailers have a big problem because they've lost, as we've said, 30% of their customers to delivery over the last several years. And they're very anxious to bring that customer back to their store, not just because of the margins that they're paying for delivery, but also for the massively increased price that consumers are having to pay, the perception that their product is more expensive. But most of these delivery companies don't give them the customer data. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. So I've spent 20 years building up my data analytics department and my lifetime customer value relationship building only to have no idea that it was Casey who just bought that Ben and Jerry's ice cream from me yesterday or had that Chanel bag delivered to her from by Postmate or whatever it is. So being able to get my customer back, rebuild that relationship, and by the way, delight my customer with the kinds of service that they now want from me being able to communicate and deliver to them as closely as possible is something that retailers are saying, Cynthia, I will give you every penny I'm giving to the delivery company. If you will, please, God, please just bring me my customers back to my store, if only so I can see their smiling face in my parking lot. 
And yeah, 20% of the time you get out of the car and go into the store anyway to pick something up. How can we make that 30%? But we know that retailers have gone from 2% curbside capable or pre-ordered capable in 2019 to 90%. And that's in Europe and in the United States. Hmm. So they've all invested tremendous amount of money in being able to receive orders, to be able to have local inventory more up to date, to be able to have their teams ready to pick and pack and hand to somebody something when they walk in the door, oftentimes a delivery driver, not a customer. And they're quite anxious to now monetize that investment in something that is more brand building and a way that we can upsize that cart. So as a retailer, as a merchandiser, as a longtime e-commerce expert in everything from fashion to food to essentials, I bring to this business a point of view of how do I, as I said in the beginning, get you to give me more of your money. It's, it's really interesting to see how much change, consumer behavior change we've had that's been fueled by COVID that isn't going away and how that's kind of opened up new markets. Localized, like in-store inventory, like localized in-store inventory has always been a pain. I still feel like it's still like a common challenge of, is it in stock? Can you have it ready for me? Like, I don't, I just need this thing. And these are the places I prefer to buy it because I have like a loyalty program. But at the end of the day, I just need this thing. Like, where is it? And when can I pick it up? How, what does this mean to have inventory of your neighborhood or your town in your dashboard? Yeah, Casey, that's a super important challenge because what most technologists, people who are building for cars, think it's about the cool experience on the car. And then when I say to them, well, what are you going to do if the diapers they ordered aren't in stock when they get to the store? And they say, oh, that can happen. <laughs> Go figure. Okay. So we really have to address the 90% the of the in-car commerce that is the commerce part and not the car part, right? right. Mm -hmm. We know that because a store says they have it in stock doesn't mean they have it in stock. So that's important when I'm having something delivered to me. It's really important when I'm telling you to get off at that exit and drive mm -hmm. there and go get it. Yeah, so right. we're very careful to take the lessons that we know about inventory availability. Listen, just because it's in the store doesn't mean it's not in somebody's basket being wheeled around the store too. So there's lots of things that make it, even with accuracy, problematic. So again, we're curating this down. So I'm only going to show you the things that I can reliably give you when you're driving around. You say I need a cell phone charger. You know, I, I, there's certain things that you just, we know the things that you need in that 15 minutes yep. while you're urgently driving around. And I'm not going to send you to someplace that has one. I'm going to send you to someplace that has 10, right? Or, um, or for things that people usually carry one or two of on the shelf, they're just not even going to make it into my inventory platform in the first place. Really, you've got a phone in your pocket. You can pull over and use the app in your thing if that's something that you, mm. if that's the kind of shopping you need to be doing, you should not be doing it when you're driving. I'm here to just do that quick, easy yeah. change yeah. in a radio station. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I need a cell phone charger or, 
You know, I, I keep using the example, Casey, that doesn't apply to the world anymore, but it keeps popping into my head, right? Oh my God, I just got to run in my stocking. Can someone please make sure that I need to grab yeah. stockings on my way to a meeting? But that's, you know, buggy whips, no. No, but not, but yeah, that is something that like we were, all women were plagued with, right? Like I've literally had my black tights run before a meeting and I don't have enough time and I couldn't, like, I don't know. I always walk to work one way. Right. I have no idea what's around the corner. Exactly. I, I mean, it's definitely not on recall because this gets really deep into people's habits, kind of their guilty pleasures, their last minute. It, it really kind of goes to show so much more about human behavior and understanding people and their customer than it is just about some type of click funnel. Right. This is a huge education process I see for retailers to really change that mindset of why your customers are there, because they seem to think that they're for all of these crazy, weird ideas that I'm seeing pitched at like a restaurant or whatnot of like our customer is a busy go to mom that is, you know, does yoga. I'm like, okay, you guys need to get a little bit more granular. Who's your customer? <laughs> you just named like half the women in the United States. The automotive industry just seems like so much to bite off, right? This new channel comes with a new market. How do you see auto manufacturers working with retailers and media and technology companies to build out this channel? Are they standing in line? Are they excited? Are they driving it? I know that being a first mover here, it wasn't like one phone call and you're like, I just signed. Like, you don't have to sign thousands. You need the car. There's not like thousands and thousands of delivery systems or car manufacturers. You know, you have the, you have to sell both sides, right? That's right. But the car side seems like the biggest challenge for this like change in consumer behavior and then just making these dashboards have more features than just a couple. Normally, I don't like to be in the business of bleeding edge technology, where I figure everything out for five years until consumers and everybody come along and then somebody else five years from, five years from now swoops in and leverages everything that I've already built. So that was not an endeavor I was choosing this time either. This time, the car companies came to me and said, we're ready. We know that we need shopping and transaction on cars. We're not exactly sure what that means, but we're, we know that our customers are asking us for it. We know that our CEOs have already been promising shareholders $20 billion a year of transactional revenue as part of our value proposition by the year 2030. And we know that that transactional revenue that is becoming part of the car business model some of it is going to come from having the car pay your holes or your parking or your, you know, renting of your heated seats in the winter, right? That everyone's all up in arms about. But it means that the new cars actually have credit cards built into them when you buy the car. And they're saying, hey, when you buy this car, did you know that your car can now do all of these other things for you? And there are a lot of things that they want to do. All the car manufacturers or OEMs, as they call themselves, all the car manufacturers are 
right now actively partnering with people to make sure that they're delivering the ex experiences that their customers are expecting from them. And that's everything from find and reserve a parking space before I get there to find and reserve a charging spot before I get there. And the, of course, sexiest example that everyone talks about, not necessarily the biggest, but the sexiest is the, hey, Jeep, get me a coffee on my way to work example. And that's the piece that really required all of the getting into the weeds of the e-commerce stuff that my partners and I have been doing for 20 years. We know all of the guts of payments and refunds and security and compliance and GDPR and inventory availability and, and customer dissatisfaction and product queries and all of those things below the waterline that don't exist on some of those other transactional experiences that we just talked about. And so for sure, the car manufacturers are not getting in the business of wanting to buy a burger and make sure it's hot when you get it. But no. that's what that's what we all do. Right. 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 That's right. how right. having a car, right? Is I'd much rather be paying a transaction fee or having the automaker make a percentage of sales or some sort rather that's than having to start paying a subscription for seat warmers. Or like, what are they going to do? Charge me like an extra surcharge for my AC in the summer? Like, <laughs> we need, they need other yeah. ways to monetize. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so we're working with them because we know how to talk to consumers and delight consumers in a way that they have not been in the business of before. We're partnering with companies like Stellantis, who make Jeep, Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, Fiat, Peugeot, and Maserati, and a number of other companies I cannot name yet, but launching in Q4, Q1 in about eight major car brands in the United States with huge demand for both Europe and some regions of Asia Pacific, Canada, of course, and Australia coming over the next couple of years. But the demand is coming from customers to their car manufacturers. And it's coming from two reasons. It's coming because I've got this great, big, beautiful, largest interactive screen in my life sitting in front of me. It's coming, frankly, because Tesla is starting to teach us that when you've got a bigger, more beautiful experience in front of you, you don't even take your phone out of your pocket. And it's coming because pandemic has totally shifted consumer behavior forever. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Absolutely. So I want to come back to your earlier point about the retail media piece of this. And yeah. Casey's laughing because you knew I couldn't let this go. There's, I think, clearly a tremendous opportunity there. You, were, you mentioned how brands are the fourth player in this equation, right? That's right. So... Tell us a little bit more. What's the retail media opportunity here between all of the different parties in, in this in car commerce? Well, I think the most obvious part of the retail media network is just the kinds of things that we all know are happening on any marketplace that you're currently shopping on that are behind the scenes to a consumer. Really, because you're in this very intimate space, your car. That's the last place on earth you want to be minority reported, right? With the little ads popping up. Oh, there's a Starbucks. Oh, there's a this. Oh, there's a that. Oh, you know, right. it's your intimate personal world. However, if I say I'd like a sandwich and I have a choice of two different places to give you a sandwich, 
the sandwich retailers that we've spoken to in advance are saying to me, yes, of course, from a discovery perspective, Casey, as you pointed out clearly, if this is the route I always go on, but there's a place one block away that I didn't know existed. If I, as a retailer, can make you aware that one block mm -hmm. off your route is this fabulous store you didn't even know, that is so valuable to me as a discovery tool that I want to make sure that my sandwich shows up before the obvious one that you're going to go to. So it's a balance of a marketplace like any retail media network. I make my money as a percent of transactions. Mm -hmm. So it's my goal to make sure I give you something you're going to buy. I'm not going to hide your favorite thing from you, but I will make sure that someone who wants to be discovered by you also has a chance to be discovered by you. So that's the obvious basic part of a retail me media network. That, in fact, is the retailers themselves boosting mm -hmm. a product, a special, right. you know, right. Fourth of July milkshake, whatever it is that they want to make sure that you're aware of. But we also have the brand side, of course. Now, where that fits into a don't forget to add on a Coke at, on your checkout kind of partnerships between beverage companies and retailers, or as we move into out of the food shopping, more into the grocery shopping side, the opportunities there are significant. And we move those out of a traditional retail media network that just says, what do I show on the screen? Because of course, I can only show you three, maybe six things mm -hmm. on your screen, but I can do some gamifications or some loyalty reward support or some, I see you've just pulled into the parking lot of Publix. Don't forget to run in and buy yourself a Caramel Sutra ice cream pint before you go home, right? Those kinds of things. So there are a lot of opportunities we're going to have to, we're going to have to learn what retail media looks like in this new, much more focused environment. But the opportunities, the goals and the outcomes are clear. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. we do it and how that most appeals to a driver on the go who needs to be 99% focused on what they're doing. Those are things that we're going to be learning together. And four of the top CPG companies in the world are already collaborating with us to understand what that looks like. It's great. I mean, I'm infamous for always going out of my way, just out of habit, super creature of habit when I'm driving because I don't want to focus on something else. I'd rather go out of my way to have a more enjoyable journey and like listen to my music than to figure out something else. But now it's just gas prices. Like I would probably spend the time these days figuring out. <laughs> I'm not. I can't afford to go out of my way anymore. Necessarily, <laughs> right? There's no reason to. It brings me to sometimes of like thinking about ways. Ways will always give me a Dunkin' Donut coupon for adding a police officer. Like whenever I see one or a car accident, and I earn Dunkin' Donut points, and mm -hmm. I just constantly think any dollar Dunkin' is spending trying to get in front of me is a waste of money. I won't drink it and I'll never switch. Yeah. I'm elite Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And my my brand loyalty is there for life. And I just, I see wasted dollars every single time. Like I'm on the West Coast and I've rented a car and I'm using Waze. And like, you guys have no idea who I am. <laughs> like that doesn't resonate to me and you're just wasting money. But- what if I remind you on your way to your local grocery store to get toilet paper or milk 
that Circle K also has toilet paper mm. and milk. And you're like, oh, I drive past like 10 of those on my way. There you go. Me. Never a That's a time saver. Yeah, I'd always go out of, yeah. I would never think of that. I would always go to like, I'm going to go to Target and then I'm going to have to wait in line at Target. And then I'm going to have to pay Target prices compared to someplace else just because I have a high confidence that it will be there. <laughs> now, Target is a fantastic example because Target as a grocery store where they have grocery locations is still in discovery mode. Most people who shop at Target know that when you pre-order from Target, their grocery items can be ready in like two minutes, curbside ready in two minutes. Their non-grocery items are longer. But their grocery items are two minutes, but they're in a discovery mode in that neighborhood. So Target actually has a discovery problem. When I say I need to pick up milk on my way home and my thought process is my local grocery store, in my case, mm -hmm. Publix, I always forget that I can go to Target. And I love grocery shopping at Target, frankly. It's got, mm -hmm. it's, they've got, their private label products are fantastic. And I just always forget that I'm about to drive by one because I don't necessarily remember where they all are. So that's a perfect example of a full grocery store that has a discovery problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a great example. Coming back to the discovery, the, the other thing I feel that's the magic here for the consumer is it's a big part of it is time saving. If I think of almost every example you've mentioned, Cynthia, there's a discovery element, but there's also a, you're going right by it anyway. What you could pick it up here instead of where you thought you were going to go. Mm -hmm. And that equates to saving time. And we mentioned before, especially in, and for folks who are in a commute in situation that's you know, an hour long or whatever else, where everyone's already in the mode of thinking, I'm spending too much time driving from A to B. Where can I save time? And I think for me, almost every single product or technology that's come through that's been the big hit success are ones that save people time and give you time back to do other things. Whether those other things have to do with technology or not, it doesn't matter, but it's the idea that for a consumer feeling like they're getting more time to do other things, I think that's always a huge win and leads to faster adoption. Yeah, and that's why the customers who we've interviewed who are looking forward to our product the most say, that is gonna make my life so much easier, faster, cheaper, more convenient, right? And the mom who says, I'm going to be able to get so much more done in that mm -hmm. 20 minutes I have in between my Zoom call that I'm now doing from my car and dropping my kids off and doing my third job. And if you could take that 10 minutes of time that I have in between all those th other things and actually make it productive, yes, that is about time. If you can say to that Uber driver who says to me, can you order a hot pizza so it's ready at the closest place to my house at the end of my shift that's still open. So I can remember to take hot food home to my family at the end of an exhausting day. And I can just know that that's going to be there as my last stop. And I don't have to think about it. Take the mental math out of my day. That's the other thing we hear a lot. It's time, but it's also take that complexity and exhaustion and planning and calculation out of my life and put the things that can be on autopilot on autopilot. That seems to be resonating with people even more than the time. That makes complete sense. I'm, yeah. I'm that person where I'm just like, I 
rather do without than have to think about or coordinate it. Huh. I'll starve. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. where the tears come from. When I see the people say, oh, I can see the relief of like one more thing gets taken away. Even commuters say, can you just have it when I turn on my car? It must know that if it's seven o'clock in the morning, I'm on my way to my work and it must know the place I always stop to get my oh. coffee on the way to work. Can't it just tell Starbucks that I'm coming just automatically when I turn on the car? Can it just, why can't it just do that? Those are the kinds of things that are time and constant focus saving. So you can focus on driving more carefully and safely mm -hmm. as well. Yes. No, That's there has point. been this death of the impulse buy, even now with uh, Walgreens. I think it's Walgreens moving to like a digital screen and there's no like walking through aisle to aisle. Yeah. Yeah. It's that Walgreens concept store. You know, they're to waste time while like I'm doing laundry and like picking up random things, random things. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that would ever go into a browser. <laughs> I can really see Mobby looking at being the revival of that spur of the moment transactions just because it's so easy. And it sounds like you're you're putting the logic for irrational purchases or like we do these things every day. So yeah, they can be automated. I can just I can make assumptions to your daily habits that I can just ask you one question and do the rest of the work. All, removing all of these friction points. It's going to be a very interesting next few years. I know I, you're going to be very busy. You're going to be very busy. And Ricardo, to what Casey said, from a retailer perspective, the retailers who delight their customers with that experience and create that relief and create that ease of experience mm. with them are going to get the love. They're yeah. going to be the ones who say, oh, did you know that you can buy your, you know, you can pick up your shopping from our mall by having your car tell the concierge at the mall that you're 20 minutes away so we can have your package ready for you. And by the way, I can pop the trunk. Did you know that? Hmm. So you can go to the mall, go and sit and have lunch and let me pop the trunk and put your purchases in your trunk while you're sitting having dinner. So there are a lot of things that we can do that are going to make you love your favorite brands even more. That, that's a good point. I mean, there is that, ex, I guess I'll call it sort of extra win for the retailer and expanding their customer loyalty. It's increasing that lifetime customer value now with essentially with touch points, not just when a customer is there in the store or at home or like, as you called it before, right? Those stationary moments when they're on their phone or on a computer screen, but now it's including in their car which for lots of people is a significant amount of time. So to keep that relationship going, I think that's just brilliant for, from the retailer's perspective. Yeah. We have to ask too is so from a timeline perspective or anyone listening in who's thinking, okay, I, I really want to activate this. I wish I had this in my car. What are, what's the timeline we're looking at? Because obviously you're, you're working with car manufacturers and this has to get, there's an integration that has to happen with new cars. So what's the timeline that we're looking at that's going to make this real for everybody? We've recently escalated due to demand from the car companies themselves. So there are going to be some luxury cars who are launching in Q4. So any brands, especially food and restaurant brands, but grocery brands and CPG brands who are interested in being one of the debut customers in a luxury car brand should get in touch with us right away. 
any restaurant or retailers or grocers who want to be in the bigger launch in December, January, Q1 coming up, that's going to be a large launch in millions and millions of vehicles in the United States should be looking at integrating with the APIs they've already put in place for Instacart. So the onboarding for the basic, basic stuff is a couple of days. It's not one of those six-month technology onboarding plays because everybody's already built all of this out. So we can pull in the core 10 products of inventory from select locations and have that up and running in the millions of launch cars quickly. But we are having to be select about the retailers we're bringing on because, of course, I can't dump 100 retailers at the first time someone gets in their car. So we're triaging quickly down through the ones who want to be on with us for this launch. The press, of course, is phenomenal as well that gets to your customers and says, Mm -hmm. hey, this is a thing that we're doing for you. And in the initial phases of it, the opportunities to actually co-brand with some of these car companies is really phenomenal. So we have restaurants who are talking with car brands about how do we say you're You know, every week you can get a special one of these from us, but only if you get it from inside your car. The co-promotional opportunities in this new, sexy new channel are presenting themselves to us every day right now. So I would encourage people to speak up, speak up now if you want to be one of the one of the first ones in. It's great. I'm very excited for you and really enjoy seeing watching the journey. I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. Thank you so much for your support. Always, Casey and Ricardo. I guess the last question for you, Cynthia, is this is obviously a growing and new space. And now that we've talked about the timeline, when you look out longer, let's say the next 24 to 36 months in this space, how quickly do you see this evolving? We believe, so I told you before, I don't like to be in bleeding edge technologies. We believe that the adoption has already started in enough proof points that consumers are going to find this and start using it quicker than new entrant technologies. And we can point to, for instance, the Domino's app that just launched in Apple CarPlay a few months ago, the Panera's app that launched in Apple CarPlay in November, and how wildly successful that's been even with the limited capability that that has. And we totally, of course, believe in direct-to-consumer applications where a single brand that has a lot of loyalty makes sense alongside our marketplace and discovery market. But if you see the rapid adoption every time in-car transaction has made itself available, if you see how quickly the usage from, from the new Google operating systems that are starting to roll out in cars is we know that 10% of people who get a new car, the first thing they do is start looking through all the new features and functionality that exist. So we are expecting that the adoption of this is going to be significantly higher than a traditional new entrant technology. We know that the urgency from the retailer standpoint to make sure that they're capturing that massively growing demand for in-store pickup for BOPUS and for easier BOPUS is going to have a lot to do with driving that. So over the next 36 months, we're just having to balance how many different kinds of categories we're rolling in, how many different countries we're looking at, 
and how many different kinds of customer experiences we're playing with to make sure that we don't do too many things at the same time is what I think is my bigger challenge than slow customer adoption. And of course, if I look out beyond beyond 36 months and I start to see what happens when 20, 30% of vehicles in America are EV, and we need to tie a lot of this stuff around that charge point, mm-hmm. right? That changes right. everything. Europe is already at 20% moving quickly to 40, 50% EV. So the demand is already there for what am I going to do while I'm charging my vehicle? And then, of course, what happens when my car is driving around by itself doing all of its my on my way shopping for me while I'm just sitting back eating bonbons? Then I own the channel completely already then. Which, Can you right? park, run errands now while you're at work? I don't know. I'm over in New York City where I have to walk. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe a little more than 36 months out. Okay. <laughs> Can all the errands be done by the time like it comes I'm to cool in ten years? But let's just say. <laughs> we'll be watching for that one for sure. At least I know Casey will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cynthia, how can our listeners get in touch with you to learn a little bit more and follow you to stay up to date? Because it sounds like moving fast. Thank you. Please do follow Mavi.io on Twitter and on LinkedIn and make sure that you're keeping track of everything that we're doing, which we make sure we post there and contact me through room at Mavi.io. All right. Excellent. Well, Casey, I think that brings us to an end here. It does. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I learned so much. I'm so excited for you. Freaking it. Thank you so much. Have a great morning. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player and on our YouTube channel so you don't miss a minute. If you want to know more about what we talked about today, take a look at the show notes for handy links and more deets. And be sure to sign up for our new Substack newsletter for the full transcript of this show. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. And if you'd like to connect with us and share your feedback, follow us and the show on Twitter at KCC Golden, Ricardo underscore Belmar, and at Retail Razor, or find us on LinkedIn. And of course, if you need even more from us, check out and subscribe to our Substack newsletter. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is the Retail Razor Show.